Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on moviehousememories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. Criterion Critics are back with another review of one of our films from our ever-increasing libraries. I'm Patrick. I'm Lori. And I'm Chris. And this month we're reviewing Swing Time from 1936, number 979 on the Criterion release schedule. But before we get into our review of the Criterion disc for that film, let's talk about the films that came out in October and November of 2022. All right, first, starting on October 4th, being released on 4K, Night of the Living Dead from 1968 in George A. Romero's cult classic film, a ragtag group of Pennsylvanians, you know, those crazy Pennsylvanians, barricade themselves in an old farmhouse to avoid a horde of flesh-eating zombies that are swarming the East Coast of the United States. Previously had been released on Blu-ray, now being released on 4K for the first time on October 11th. Uh, from 1997, Lost Highway, also being released on 4K. And this bizarre mystery thriller from writer-director David Lynch, an anonymous anonymous videotapes mysteriously precede a musician's murder conviction, while at the same time, a gangster's girlfriend leads a mechanic astray. Yet both stories are bizarrely connected. Also on October 11th from 1944, one of Laurie's all-time favorite films, Arsenic and Old Lace, uh, in Frank Capra's crime comedy, a Brooklyn writer of books on the futility of marriage, risks his, risks his reputation when he decides to tie the knot. However, things get complicated when he learns on his wedding day that his beloved maiden aunts are habitual murderers. On October 18th, saw the release of 1997's Cure in this Japanese horror mystery from writer directy Kayoshi Kurosawa, a frustrated detective, deals with the case of several gruesome murders, murders committed by people who have no recollection of what they've done. Uh, also on October, October 18th, saw the release of 2019's La Llorona, uh, and in this crime horror film from writer-director Jairo Bustamante, an aging paranoid war criminal who is protected by his faithful wife, faces death while being haunted and confronted by the ghosts of his past. On October 25th, uh, Eve's Bayou from 1997 was released uh, from writer-director Cassie Lemons and actors Lynn Whitfield and Samuel L. Jackson. The question in the film is, what did the child Eve see and how will it haunt her? Husband, father, and womanizer Louise Baptiste, played by Samuel L. Jackson, is the head of an affluent family, but it's the women who rule this gothic world of secrets, lies, and mystic forces. On November 1st, saw the release of 1966 Daisies. This Czechoslovakian comedy tells the story of Marie and Marie, or Mary, uh, who after realizing that all in, the, all in the world are spoiled, the pair commit to become spoiled themselves. They rip off older men, feast in lavish meals, and do all kinds of mischief. Uh, also on November 1st, saw the re-release of In the Mood for Love from the year 2000, this time in 4K. In this Hong Kong romantic drama from writer-director Kar Wai Wong, 
Two neighbors form a strong bond after both sus- both suspect extramarital activities of their spouses. However, they agree to keep their bond platonic so as to not commit similar wrongs. Uh, as I stated, previously released on Blu-ray, now being released on 4K for the first time. On November 8th, also saw the release of 2021's The Power of the Dog on 4K and this Western drama from Jane Campion. A charismatic rancher Phil Burbank inspires fear and awe in those who live and work around him. When his brother brings home a new wife and her son, Phil torments them both until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. On November 15th, saw the release of the the Infernal Affairs trilogy. Uh, this box set includes the original classic Infernal Affairs from 2002, for which the movie The Departed, the Departed was based on, as well as the two sequels, Infernal Affairs 2 from 2003 and Infernal Affairs uh, 3 from 2004. Then on November 22nd, uh, Malcolm X in 4K from 1992 was also released. Director Spike Lee's film is the biographical epic of the controversial and influential a black nationalist leader from his early life and career as a small-time gangster to his ministry as a member of the Nation of Islam, uh, being released onto Criterion for the first time and in 4K. So those are the releases for October and November of last year. Uh, so, Chris, I'll start with you. Uh, of these, which one speaks to you first? Which one's the one that you go out and purchase almost instantly? Well, for sure, Arsenic and Old Lace. Okay. I liked that film when we reviewed it. I love Peter Lorre, and uh, I would be interested to see what the extras are. Possibly Night of the Living Dead, but I don't know if I like that film en- enough to to get the Criterion version. Um, I liked Infernal Affairs a lot, but I have not seen the other two. Have you seen all three, Patrick? No, I have not. I've only seen the first one. Okay, the same here. So I don't know if I would do that. I am very interested in um, 1997's The Cure, or I'm sorry, just Cure. This is not the same Kurosawa. They're not related uh, to the, the famous one. And Daisy's 1966, I have heard of before and heard good things, I'd be very interested to see it. If I like Daisies, I would strongly consider getting the criterion of that. You don't get very many Czechoslovakian comedies on the criterion collection that I can recall. Well, they're not making them anymore. So <laughs> not, not like they used to, I guess. <laughs> All right. Lori? It's a I'm gonna go the same trip and get Arsenic and Old Lace and Night of the Living Dead. Two of my all time favorite movies. Well, wait a minute though. You own Night of the Living, Living Dead because I gave you my Blu-ray. <laughs> I already have one. So the only difference is that it's 4K. Uh, this is 4K. the only oh, difference. Is I'm not that sensitive to 4K. I'm happy with the one you gave me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Arsenic and Old Lace. Um, I've never seen Eve's Bayou. That sounds really good. I don't know that I'd buy the Criterion if I liked it. Malcolm X would be interesting. He's by use a decent film. I remember seeing that in the nineties. It was, it's not a bad film. I'm, I'm kind of surprised it's getting a criterion release, uh, but I'm pleasantly surprised. I wonder what the extras are. I didn't, I don't have those in my notes off the top of my head, but yeah. Yeah. Lots of exciting ones though. All of them, except for the power of the dog sounded really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, I put 
Infernal Affairs in my top 100. I even put it as one of my picks for a film that they should put on Criterion. And here they are putting on Criterion. And they're putting it with the other two films, which I have not seen. And to be honest with you, I'm less interested in uh, because pretty much, uh, you know, most of the characters die in the first film. So I'm not necessarily need to pick up that story thread to figure out where the remaining character goes from there. In the Mood for Love, I own, I like, I have the box set uh, for the director that came out on Criterion with all the rest of his films. I owned In the Mood for Love prior to that. Lori, it's in my stack of films to give to you. So you're going to be owning that film soon. So you don't necessarily need the 4K for that. Uh, I like Arsenic and Old Lace. That's one I probably will pick up. It's not going to be probably an instant pick. Uh, I will not go and pick up Night of the Living Dead. I've reviewed it. I've watched all the extras on it. I, I, I'm i just not a huge fan of that film, and I don't ever see myself revisiting that. And I fucking hate David Lynch, and so I will never watch L- Lost Highway. I just can't stand that director. I, I was waiting for that. So, I, I mean... That that film was, a, once again, David Lynch sucked me in on that film. I watched that when it came out on VHS. And the first 15 minutes, I'm like, whoa, whoa where the fuck is this going? I got to watch this. And by the end, I'm like, oh, motherfucker did it to me again. Just gave, You gave me strange for fucking strange's sake. You never actually had an idea. It was just like, what's the weirdest thing we could do? And then that's what you did. And, that's, and there was no point to it. So, yeah, I hate that film. <laughs> All right. What about films we'd like to see put on Criterion? Lori, I'm coming to you first. You know this. I was coming here, and you can't just always pick Grease. <laughs> I forgot. I can't believe I forgot about this question. Has The Sixth Sense been no. a Criterion release? It has not been a Criterion That release. would be with some really good extras. I think that would be really good. It, it got they could a, do some interviews with dead people, yeah, Lori. It got a there vis, go. Vista Pictures, a Vista Vision release. I can't remember what Disney called it back uh, on DVD in the early 2000s where they put a lot of extras on it, but not, uh, not I wouldn't say it was criterion level, uh, but there is a kind of a, a loaded extra set for that, uh, that particular Because there's show. so much symbolism. I mean, he put so many... Uh, that I don't even know that I get everything that he added to that to yeah. distinguish between the living and the dead. Yeah. Chris? You know, something that I've noticed that Criterion's been doing a lot is re-releasing 4K versions. And so this one I'm picking, I think, was actually once upon a time available on Criterion Laserdisc back in the day. But uh, I'm picking 1988's Akira. It's not a film that I necessarily the animated enjoy. Film? the animated one. Yes, people love this. It seems to be very much a seminal anime film, a cyberpunk film, and I think that a lot of people would love to see a criterion of this, where with interviews from various people and fans. And I do believe they have a couple years ago released a 4K version just on their own. Is that that might have been Toho? that uh distributed but i i think that that would be a a good one for the criterion collection now i'm sitting and here seem to be going with a lot of asian films these days yeah i'm racking my brain but i do not believe i've ever seen an animated film released on criterion but it could be wrong really i yeah. think what is the unicorn one um last unicorn last unicorn Last Unicorn. Nope. Uh, is Watership Down? Oh, Watership Down. There you go. Watership Down. Yeah. It does have a criteria. Oh, 
And Paddle by the Sea is animated. Okay. I bought that one. All right. <laughs> I am not familiar with that one, but I'll take your word so, for it. So, okay. They are, they do exist. They're rare. So that they're was, rare. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, you know, I like to go with the theme usually associated with the film, either writer or sorry, director, star, or similar film. Uh, I was hard pressed because this is a musical and I freaking hate musicals, <laughs> but uh, I you went, what? No, I did not pick Greece. <laughs> I picked the cotton club from the early eighties with Richard Ooh. Gere, uh, because there was like, there's a club, a music club in this film. And so I thought that was kind of similar. And uh, that's something I would really like to see them kind of revisit and kind of talk about the making of that. I, I think that's an underappreciated film from the early eighties. that doesn't get the necessary attention that it probably deserves. Can I do an honorary pick of dead men? Don't wear plaid. Sure. <laughs> I, I don't think that one's going to get a criterion release. I don't no, think, I don't, I don't so. think you universal even wants to release that one. But. All right. Oh, now let's get into our review of the film, starting with sw uh, swing time. We usually start by talking about the versions we have. I have the Blu-ray version. It has a cover black and white cover of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. I would say it looks like they're dancing in the dance, the, the, the dance school um, with a kind of gold lettering across the front saying swing time, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers at the type top little letters in the, the bottom left-hand corner are filmed by George Stevens inside the case uh, is yeah, just kind of a retro design for the film. Uh, it looks like the picture of the four main characters in a car, I think, when they're getting ready to go on the little trip. And then the little booklet that comes with it uh, is just got various pictures of Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire throughout the entirety of the film. And the disc itself is a, a roulette wheel, is what it is, with swing time near the middle. So, Chris, uh, what version did you have? Red 36. What? Oh, um... <laughs> I have the same version as you. You have the Blu-ray. And Lori, you do not have this. You're participating in this. And should I buy this version of the film? So that's, uh, unfortunately, I could not get you mine in time. I just finished it this weekend, unfortunately, the extra. So I could not get it to you for you to review. But uh, you can borrow it at any point in time if you'd like. Thank you. I would love to. All right. So, Chris, what did you think of the cover in this one? The cover is pretty basic. And I, I liked it a lot. It has possibly one of the more iconic images from from the film as its cover and it's done tastefully so yeah i liked it yeah it's it's pretty straightforward i mean it's simplistic it's not as artistic as i like in the criterion covers and that what we normally see i mean it's just basically a still from the film and you threw some gold lettering on top of it saying swing time with some gold music letters kind of floating around it it's not eye-catching by any stretch of the imagination, I, I would have liked to have seen something a little bit more colorful, even for a black and white film. Uh, but uh, it's it's not bad. It's not like Bull Durham shitty, uh, which is just basically, hey, go through some stuff and take a blurry picture and put it on the cover. Uh, at least it's it's got some direct connection to the film. So, But I would like to have seen some artwork, some, some ar mm -hmm. artistic impressions uh, uh, basically drawn and thrown up on the cover. I think that would have been better for it. Pop with his uh, Ace of Spades. That's what you yeah, wanted on yeah, it. Yeah, pop in the background playing with the Ace of Spades or something like that. Mm -hmm. All right, what about the conversion quality, Chris, as far as picture and sound in this? 
Uh, what did you think? Sound was fine, but for the for the 2K conversion, I don't know what their original was, but I noticed some some cuts like looked like a few frames were missing, or you know, and it just kind of jumped a little. I mean, as far as cleaning it up and everything, it was very clear. You could still see some of the white lines from the film, but this was not as good as some of the past versions of these older movies we've seen. Uh, this was what, 2K? This was a 2K Correct. conversion. But I did see some flaws, but I think that spoke more to the condition of the original film that they had to work with. Yeah, I will agree with you that uh, as far as like cleaning up the film, it was pretty pretty clear, not as sharp as I've become accustomed to in a lot of other films. And I, too, it's funny that you mentioned that. I did notice at least twice where I saw a jump in the screen that it's very obviously some uh some you know part of the celluloid had been missing because the actor is actually moving you know just jumps on the screen and they're missing something so there was a, a cut and i don't know if that was from the original presentation or if the work print that they were working from just was too damaged that they had to actually cut out that sequence and couldn't find it in any other kind of print to to restore and put it in there so that and you don't see that very often uh, in a lot of uh, criterion releases they they usually avoid doing that but i i did notice it in this particular film all right extras on the disc this is what lori wants to hear all about uh we have a commentary by John Mueller, who's the author of Astaire Dancing, the musical films. Uh, it was actually recorded for the Criterion Laserdisc in 1986. Uh, we have two interviews with Ginger Rogers, uh, which she talks about how she was discovered and her relationship with Fred Astaire and the various different films. Uh, one is an interview that's uh, 22 minutes long. The other one is an interview uh, that is five minutes long. Uh, both of these had pre previously been recorded before. They were not created for the Criterion. Uh, then there was a documentary called In Full Swing, uh, which jazz critic Gary Giddens and dance critic Brian Siebert and Dorothy Fields biographer Deborah Grace Weiner discussed the brilliant choreography of the musical numbers in swing time specifically, as well as the chemistry between the two leading actors. This was created exclusively for the Criterion release in 2019. Uh, then there's an interview with George Stevens Jr., who is the founder of the American Film Institute and son of director George Stevens, who discusses his father's career in its entirety and the diverse legacy that he has, especially being comedy in the first half and then more dramatic films in the second. This, too, was also created exclusively for the Criterion in 2019. Uh, then we have a whole series of interviews from George Stevens that he had on record, one with Fred Astaire. Uh, that was recorded in 1982 by George Stevens Jr. Um, and he talks about his re relationship with the director of the film, George Stevens Sen uh, uh, Sr. Uh, then you have another interview uh, with a cinematographer Hermes Pan. Uh, it was also conducted by George Stevens Jr. in 1982 um, and talks about how a Swing Time was a first collaboration with uh, George Stevens. Uh, then... You have an interview with film scholar Mia Mask, who discusses the use of blackface and in the film, and specifically the Bone Jangles of Harlem number in Swing Time. The interview was conducted exclusively exclusively for Criterion, so that's an, an exclusive to the Criterion disc, uh, kind of talking about the unfortunate use of that in the film. And then an illustrated leaflet featuring an essay by critic Imogene Sarah Smith, 
as well as the, the film's technical credits. So those are the extras in the disc. Uh, what extras, Chris, do you believe are missing uh, if when you look at this as in, in the entirety? For me, there's only one extra missing in this one. And surprise, surprise, Patrick, what is it? The trailer. The trailer. <laughs> I, I was surprised by that. They did such an excellent job with getting all this information together and putting it on the disc. And I mean, I know that from the 30s, these trailers are not necessarily the best, but I think they would have had something for this. Yeah, you know, w w the one thing I thought was missing is, although we talk, they talk about him, uh, pretty much everybody does, about George Stevens Sr., and you have his son on here who basically interviewed a lot of people about him. I wish they would have created something about him because he, he had a very interesting career, and mm -hmm. you get little bits and pieces from a lot of things, a lot in the commentary. There's a lot of discussion of him in the commentary. But I would have liked to have seen some cohesive you know, kind of discussion there uh, about him, you know, a documentary that's exclusively about him. Now, Laurie, having me just describe the extras, is there something you immediately go, I, I would like to, I would like to have seen this on that disc, or I was expecting to see this on that disc. Without having seen it, it's hard to picture, but it sounds like a lot of great stuff. Like I, I'm very interested in the history. Is there anything showing rehearsal? I, I don't know if any footage exists, but I would love to see footage of rehearsals or there's some run throughs of the dances. There's some still images, um, but there's no like actual run through uh, show them showing any run throughs of that. They describe them. They describe them in a lot of detail, especially in the commentary. And I think in the documentary in full swing, I don't even know if that footage exists, but if it did, I would love to see that. We see Ginger Rogers wearing a pair of trousers yes. that she was controversial. To. Yeah. All right, Chris, what about the quality and quantity of the extras we do have? What did you think of that? You know, I think that we, they gave us a very good amount of extras in this one. We had two interviews by Ginger Rogers. Sure. They, they were kind of taken from a greater interview wasn't specifically towards swing time, but we got quite a bit from her. Um, Fred Astaire, I would have liked to have seen him talk a little bit more. He, he, it almost seemed to me at first, he either didn't want to talk about it or he didn't really remember it that well in, in the interview, but I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from Fred Astaire. We did get a very brief snippet of the director, George Stevens talking we got his son, who would be the next best thing, I would say, to getting the director talking. One of the historians that was white talked about blackface, but specifically what the the young lady that they commissioned for this to talk about it, who was, I'm sorry, Mia Mask was her name? Yes. Who uh, happens to be a black American, who I think is probably way better than any of us to talk about what blackface means to the black community. And I really liked her portion that she contributed to this as well. The leaflet, Lori would like the leaflet because they have great pictures of Fred and Ginger and Ginger in her outstanding outfits. I think just two, the two white outfits. And other than that, I really did like as a whole, these, uh, these extras. All right. Well, I'll give, I, I agree with you that I think the 
extras are swing time specific. Most of them are relating directly to the film. Uh, the interviews, the, the archival interviews of Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire kind of touch upon a large uh, other things as well. They're not specifically swing time, but obviously those two are the main focus of the film. So I, I, if there was no interviews of them, it, their absence would be uh, noted, uh, would be very uh, apparent. So I'm glad at least they're represented in some of the extras. So I, I think what they did is they've, they've got a lot of really, really good extras. Uh, I, w- I would like something more about the dancing, you know, that, I mean, the, I, I got to mm-hmm. I, I, well, I, and I know Lori would as well, but it, you know, the, the, the best description, it was and it, very interesting that listening to the commentary is to hear this film scholar, this author uh, talk about the, the dance movements that Fred Astaire is actually doing and in, in, in a very technical sense, which, you know, I have no interest in dancing in films, but I thought it was interesting the way he's describing it and he's really breaking it down on what they're doing in particular sequences and sometimes talking about the complexity of it or even their moves that it, it, it made me appreciate what Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers were doing when they created and actually performed those dances. It, it gave me a greater appreciation for that. Um, so I, I thought that was an, an interesting aspect of it. Chris, what about your favorite uh, extra on the disc? I'm not really sure uh, I can pick a favorite. It's a little bit hard because this one, they really did a good job. I think it's a toss-up between uh, Ginger Rogers and George Stevens Jr. and Mia Mask's three commentaries. I think I like those equally. Not commentaries. I had to pick one. Interviews. I, interviews. What's that? Not, not commentaries. Interviews. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, interviews. I like those three equally. If I had to give a nod to one, I, I probably Ginger Rogers, just because she's one of the main principal actors from this film. Now, I, I usually don't go with a one man commentary, but as I just kind of hinted at, I, I learned something from the watching the or listening to the commentary for this film and from the technical technical aspect of basically you know choreographing a dance routine and that there that i what they were doing with their movements sometimes is being described in detail and it had created a greater as i said a greater appreciation from me towards what fred astaire and ginger rogers did during the dance routines Uh, if they if the writers had spent as much time working on the story as they did those two did on the dance routines then it would have been an outstandingly probably very beautiful film what we have is a whole bunch of absolutely beautiful dance sequences surrounded by an utterly crappy story so uh, but so yeah that was my uh, my favorite on this was the commentary all right uh, last question chris and we'll find out if Lori intends to uh, potentially purchase this is the film worthy of a criterion edition and do we recommend picking it up i think it's definitely worth a criterion edition do I recommend picking it up? Well, I think that's going to depend. Uh, if you're into musicals, I think this is a must-have. If you're into story and a strong plot, this is a rent. Uh, skip it. Watch it on the Criterion channel. So I did buy it. I'm not sad that I bought it, but I don't know how many more times I will watch the entire film because of the plot only. The, the dancing is phenomenal. Can't speak enough to that, but... It, I, pick it up or not depends on exactly that. 
All right. This one's a tough one for me because we reviewed this a few months ago over on Golden Age. And obviously on that, I gave it two stars. I didn't think much of this film at all. <laughs> but this has a pedigree. There are people who consider this one of the greatest musicals, if not the greatest dance numbers of all time, Lori being one of them. And, uh, and not necessarily musicals, but the dance numbers. And because of that, I would say it's worthy of a Criterion edition. But I am utterly perplexed by that. I think the the dance numbers are phenomenal, but they're they slow down the pace of the film. And when I watch the film as an entirety, it it's 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 less interesting because I just I get bored. As I said, I like watching the dance sequences once, but I had to watch them twice for this because of the the commentary and they were less interesting the second time. So uh, personally, I don't think it's worthy of a criterion edition, but I can understand why many other people do because it, you know, universally is accepted as one of the greatest uh, dance films of all time, especially from Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire. Would I recommend picking up only if you like musicals? <laughs> That's all I got to say is only if you like musicals or you like this film. I, uh, the, the extras are, they're nice, uh, but I don't know if, if you have no interest in musicals. I don't know if this is going to, it did not cause me to like musicals any better. It did not cause me to like this film better. I appreciated what the dancers went through, but I didn't like the film any much better uh, have, after having watched this. But I'm going to toss it to Lori right now, who already is in the bag as liking the film. Do you have an interest in picking up the Criterion? I'm not going to pick it up because I'm going to borrow yours, <laughs> but... I would cheapskate cheapskate (laughs) cheapskate. Yes, I would buy it. I may absolutely love it. I have to, I'm very interested in the extras. Potentially I will want my own copy if I love the extras as much as I think I'm going to. So I would love to see some of the history of, I heard that, that Fred Astaire was just brutal to work with that. Like the, the, the one dance they did 43 times and her feet were bleeding because yeah. he wanted one shot. And, you know, just so I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Uh, that wasn't entirely his, that was also George Stevens who wanted that shot as well oh. at the end. So that wasn't entirely. As, okay. Yeah. Well, he, Fred Astaire did want, Long shots where full full body shots where you see the dancers dancing one continuous take as much as possible, but uh, the the one where her feet were bleeding was the last one, uh, never going to dance sequence, and the the way it's described in I can God I don't remember where it was on there but they talk about that repeatedly in various different sources but they say it wasn't because it was either one of them were a workaholic with just something would go wrong. And during the sequence, they would just miss. Uh, they just wouldn't make the connection that they were supposed to make or uh, the camera wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be in focus. There was just so many different things that just went wrong before they got ultimately got it right. And they, they tried to give her a break. In fact, George Stevens told her, you know, let's pick this up later. And she said, no, let's just finish it and get it done. Uh, they continued on until they got it perfect. So that's, that is one of the stories on the, the criterion. So you, <laughs> You will get Ooh, I'm going to like it. All right. All right. Well, that does it for this month's review of Swing Time. Thanks again for joining us and listening to our little monthly podcast. Uh, if you've had a good time, the fun doesn't have to stop here. 
Uh, you can follow us on Pinterest or Twitter at MH Memories. On either one of those social media outlets, you can keep yourself informed about our occasional written film reviews and film summaries, news and upcoming theatrical releases and trailers, and information on many upcoming podcasts on the MHN Podcast Network. And once again, you can subscribe to our account on YouTube and as back once again back on iTunes and most other streaming services uh, where we're putting all our new episodes again. Once there, you can leave a comment about the films that we're reviewing, our opinions of the films we're reviewing, or a suggestion for a Criterion film or a Criterion disc that you would like us to review sometime in the future. Of course, we always like the reviews that are positive, but we appreciate any feedback that we can get from any listeners of the show. Well, that does it for this episode of Criterion Critics. Join us next time when Chris comes back and he's going to be back to review number 810 on the Criterion release schedule in a lonely place from 1950 Humphrey Bogart uh, until then I'm Patrick Lori and I'm Chris and we'll see you all next time at our house podcast is not endorsed by the Criterion Collection and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The theme music for Criterion Critics, Miami Nights' main theme, is provided courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incomputech.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the MHN Podcast Network, Criterion Critics, and the Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment LLC, unless otherwise noted.